Hey folks, Matt here. It's been a long time since I made one of these. I suppose I should address the uh, long absence. The podcast hiatus was my own doing, primarily due to my own inability to properly manage my time in conjunction with everything else going on in my life during that stretch of, what, two seasons? Yeah, give or take. Um, I never did the first two seasons of Charged Up with any intention of having the show become a big thing or anything like that. I did it because I loved it. Uh, once I realized I wouldn't be able to put enough effort into it, I, I had to shelve it. I, it just didn't feel right to continue it when I couldn't put enough time to really make it worth anything. Um, now with university being done and nah, with me working full-time, uh, my schedule is much more structured, which enables my time-managing abilities to actually not be as sporadic as before. So that's that's a benefit. Uh, still, I always wanted to bring um, the pod back if I was still with Raw Charge uh, once the time came. And this offseason gave me a lot of time to kind of figure out how I wanted to tackle this quote-unquote rebirth, so to say, I guess, I suppose. I have no idea. Um, I have uh, brought a co-host from the blog to uh, assist me with this, Hardev. Um, if you are regular at the blog, he's our do-it-all wonder kid. If we need something done, he's the one who takes care of, takes care of it. Um, he's in Toronto, so he is a Leafs fan. Um, but his heart's with us because, you know, we haven't let him down like, like the Leafs have. But um, I wanted him to co-host to help, to help keep me on task and to help provide differing opinions on certain topics. Uh, we agree on a lot of things, but there's other things that we don't see eye to eye on all the time. Um, and also to help with some issues where, you know, I know when I had guests on, sometimes there was some dead air. Um, and sometimes it was, it was difficult for me to keep guests fully engaged. So that's, that's the biggest thing behind it. And because it's just easier to talk to somebody about a sport you're so endeared with than just talking to yourself. So that was a big thing. Um, there will still be guests, probably just not every episode. Um, maybe every other episode, or I don't know. We haven't figured that out yet. That out yet. Uh, but I don't want to make this intro too long, especially since Hardiman and I have spoke for over an hour uh, doing our preview for this whole thing. So please, <laughs> enjoy our ramblings. Be patient with us. Um, and just enjoy it. And if you have any things to say to help me get better by all means shoot me a dm on twitter uh or just tweet me on twitter it doesn't really matter um but yeah go bolts oh it didn't even give you the freaking <laughs> oh gave it to me it said okay or no oh okay cool. I pressed, yeah all righty then all right man well uh man if it's so long since i've done this <laughs> <laughs> it feels alien man it feels yeah. completely alien but um how you, how you feeling overall? Like, like not even just hockey, just like in general. Uh, pretty good. I'd say like as good as you can be right now. Like, uh, I just started my education degree. So I'm learning to be a teacher right now and I'm doing really well in it. Surprisingly. That doesn't surprise which, me at all. <laughs> is, I don't know. I didn't think it would be this kind of, um, I didn't think I would get it as quickly. Like, uh, I don't think, it, I didn't think it would be as intuitive as it, as it has been. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that's been fun, but like all the other stuff around it, like some of my professors kind of suck and the commute is pretty long. I never ended up moving to Hamilton where the mm-hmm. school is. Um, I couldn't end up finding a place. So commuting two hours a day each way is, it's kind of been a bit. Yeah. That's it's rough. Been, it's been a thing. Yeah. That's rough. rough. You know, the funny thing is, is, I actually ended up getting my um, temporary teaching certification down here. Mm-hmm. I got the um, email from the department department eh, department of education down here in Florida 
uh, at the start of the start, it was like the middle-ish of September saying that they approved my temporary teaching certificate, but I had to go through so many damn hoops just to mm. get it. Mm-hmm. Like my university was supposed to send uh, my transcripts over, which they did, but apparently the Florida Department of Education is very anal on what program they use. So I had wow. to literally go back, buy my transcripts again, mm. and then send them in their little official yeah envelope thing that cost like 50 freaking dollars and sent that to the department of education and i did that i think at the end of july and it took them about a month and change to get it review it and give me my actual temp license wow uh obviously i don't i'm not teaching right now but hey if something happens with my current job i can obviously go back so i guess i have that going for me (laughs) luckily i'm still in my first year of two so i don't have to I don't know if I have to worry about it or not yet, but I'm kind of like worried because they haven't been saying anything. Like mm-hmm. they, they don't communicate very well. So I'm like looking online all the time and checking and like so far so good. But like, honestly, yeah, it's, I'm like kind of nervous that I'm going to miss a crucial step and be, and be screwed out of. Is the... Canada really, um, really anal about like what licenses you have and stuff there for teaching? No. Like, does it go by province or something? Yeah. Provinces it's separate per province per province that's for sure so i can i couldn't go teach in like vancouver like in bc if i unless i did some special stuff um i i can't just walk in there okay um but yeah like with my school my school is like properly certified with the with the ontario government so like it's like i should get my like my admittance into the teaching college like once i graduate like it should be fine but like i still have to do all these paperwork and stuff I don't know what like what it is specifically yet, but yeah, we'll see. So that part is straightforward. I just you know yeah. Yeah, doing doing the actual teaching is straightforward. Everything to get to yeah. the point of teaching is the pain in the ass. It's funny because like two of my classes, like you can tell they're already outdated. <laughs> you can tell that like I'm not everything surprised. we're learning is like not <laughs> it's not going to be apl- applicable. Like you can like they're talking about technology right now in my law class, and I'm like none of this stuff is relevant anymore this stuff is like 15 years old <laughs> like none of it none of it makes sense none of it's like yeah nothing's applicable like we none already know we're gonna have to relearn me. all of this once we get into the actual job site none of that surprises <sighs> me at all so funny <laughs> oh my god it's so well, dumb because we start and we're just like we're just have our hands hands in our heads and we're just like okay keep going yeah we're not we're not gonna remember any of this because we don't need to god i feel like that's almost every college degree in some capacity yeah yeah <laughs> well shoot I'm, I'm glad that's going well for you at least man i'm glad it's going well yeah but we're here okay talk about some damn hockey the first normal regular season in two years <laughs> god, i can't yeah. believe wow. i can't believe it's been like since 2018 2019 since so we've had a regular regular season yeah Oh, yeah, we only had 70 games last year. Or two years ago. Shit. Yeah. Like 56 yeah. last year and 70 the year before. Yeah. At least last year had that um had the feeling of it was getting more normal the deeper it went. But it still had this, I don't know. Last year was last season was such a like we like we said off air, it was such a like everyone felt a little half-baked, like everyone. Yeah. Yeah. obviously the big pros don't because that's just that's literally their living but like everyone else was just like i don't know if i should like really be into this or not. yeah 
like even in the especially in the AHL, everyone was just everyone was just like, let's get through this. Let's just get through it. Let's get through it. Let's not think about this too much. Let's just survive the year, have these players play, and then be done. And then we don't have to think about this ever again. That's kind of how everyone went into it because like there are no fans. There was nothing else going on. The media was just trying to get through the year and like, yeah, it's. I think that was an appropriate way because I don't think anyone was super excited to get through it. I'm hoping this year everyone's like rejuiced. Hell, I'm hoping I'm rejuiced. Like <laughs> it's been, it's been such a rough two years and it's just, Oh boy, but whatever we're back. It's God. I can't remember the last time I ran an episode. God, was it? I think the last episode I ran actually was when I actually talked to, um, Allison, right before the faded Columbus Tampa series. Oh wow! And we got yeah. swept. That was oh, the last that time. Series. Yeah, that was the last time I ran an episode. I hadn't read an episode before then. I think at, at, since the start of that season. So, because I didn't do it, um, the entirety of uh, nineteen twenty. Yeah. I didn't do it the entirety of last season. Um, I didn't do it this entire off season because, well, I was working my ass off this entire <laughs> off season um and now we're back i don't i don't blame you that it took two cups to get over that series and to restart the podcast <laughs> yeah yeah no, no no we'll completely go with that we'll completely go yeah it took it took two Stanley cups to get over that sweep <laughs> then i would come back and do a podcast i'm totally going with that i'm 100 going with that <laughs> all right man um so let's 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 break it down this way. We'll we'll touch base on all the divisions. Obviously, we're gonna spend a lot of time in the Atlantic, um, but we'll go from west to east because we'll just get rid of the weaker conference first, and we'll just see what both of our thoughts are and what 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 kind of like major storyline we're expecting out of those divisions. So let's go with the uh, new Pacific. That's gonna have our brand new team, the Seattle Kraken. Uh, what do you think in the Pacific's gonna give us this season? And what do you how do you what do you think? Uh, my lord, I can't speak. Who do you think is going to end up being on top of that division? Oh, the top of the division is kind of hard because, like, how much do we believe in the Vegas Golden Knights anymore? Maybe. Like, I'm sure they're still a really good team, but, yeah, I don't know. They're a year older. They're probably not as good as they were at their peak um, a few years ago. I think they still win the division simply because the rest of it is really garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, like, San Jose is planning to be bad. Anaheim is saying that they're going to be better, but I still think they're going to be pretty bad. Los Angeles wants to kind of be on the way up, but, you know, they still don't have the roster just yet. Um, Vancouver's terrible. <laughs> Calgary is in the middle, so they're never going to be good or bad. They're just kind of stuck there. Um, Seattle's the interesting one to me because they're, they're like a league average team right out of the bat, right? And they can be good. Um, if they get some bounces, if they get some shooting, if they get some goaltending, or they could be bad if they don't get either of those things, right? It's a it's a very wide kind of range, and and they're different from Vegas because you know Vegas got a lot of free stuff, particularly from Florida and from other teams. They got a lot of free stuff, and that kind of boosted them above just a league average team, and they got it got them to be really good. I don't think Seattle got the same kind of luxury. I think the prices were just way too high, and they knew that like they weren't going to get they were going to get any freebies so i think they'll make a i think they'll make the playoffs genuinely because i don't see anyone else beating them right off the bat um and then yeah it's it's really down to whether edmonton is getting everything together and 
is going to be good, but I really don't think their roster is any good. Like it's, it's a pretty terrible team and the defense is like atrocious, just absolutely just garbage. Um, so, you know, it's going to be the weakest division. I think Vegas is going to win it by default kind of, and we'll see what Seattle and Edmonton do. Yeah. I think it's, uh, Vegas's division to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anaheim is bad. I know Los- that, that, that artificial trade in Los Angeles. I'm still, I, I said on Twitter when I have it, I was like, I really don't get it. Like, I feel like the Kings are viewing themselves as like, okay, we're done rebuilding. I'm like, no, you guys still like have a very, very questionable roster at best. Like I know you still have Kopitar who's still a good player. Mm-hmm. And you have Dowdy, who Dowdy actually did have a pretty good bounce back last year, but like the rest of that roster isn't that great. And now with Byfield's injury, yeah. you know, that really dampens a lot of the optimism for the Kings. I think and- what they're doing in LA is trying not to be the Sabres in that once you have young players, you need to put some actual NHLers around them. So they're not just stuck on their own. You won't be good. You might have a worse draft pick by a few spots, but your players will be better off because they're not going to be buffaloed. I think yeah. that's their thinking there in LA. And same with Anaheim. I think they're yeah. just trying not to be terrible and because they have the <laughs> players oh, on the roster now. Anaheim is just bad. <laughs> yeah, both, Anaheim both is bad. just bad. There is nothing yeah. about that team that makes me think they're even remotely close to challenging for even a playoff bubble. I know they got Zagros and they got some they got some young guys on the, on the defensive side, but like yeah. that team. It's not about yeah. It's not about the playoffs. It's just about making sure their their young players don't yeah. kind of lose hope. Right, because they have Drysdale on the roster now, they just need to make Shoot. sure that he's not getting like killed every single game. His forwards are helping helping him out a little bit, and it's Shoot, not going to be think, a good team. But you know, I, I, I think the, I think the bottom three teams in the Pacific mm-hmm. are going to be the California teams. Which yeah. which way they'll go, I don't know. I personally think San Jose is terrible. Um, and I think they're going to solve some of their assets. Like, I feel like hurdle is a big trade asset for them. And like, they, they should have pulled the trigger on the rebuild like two years ago. To be yeah. There's, they're, they're genuinely like two years behind Anaheim and LA. That's, mm-hmm. that's how I, how I see them exactly as you mm-hmm. said. Yeah. And the longer they keep delaying it, the, the worst it's going to get. So I think mm-hmm. the three California teams are going to be at the bottom. Then it's probably going to be Vancouver. Um, Vancouver. We all know the issue with Vancouver. Yep. Um, their thing is going to be, how can their stars carry them? If the stars can carry them, they might be a bubble team. If not, they're going to be, you know, out of the playoff race by the new, by the new year. Um, then I think it's between the Kraken and the Flames for that 3-4 spot. I don't really know how to gauge the Kraken. I was very, very underwhelmed by the expansion draft. Um, some of the selections I thought were really good. Some of them just made me go, why? They just – they. They did kind of they, they kind of did the same thing that Vegas did where they hoarded a lot of third pairing mm-hmm. defensemen, but it's like you gotta start moving these guys. Like mm-hmm. you guys have like I think but they have like what nine or ten legit NHL defensemen. And I know people are kind of down on third pairing defensemen, but you need third pairing defensemen. And I've seen Seattle has a plethora of third pairing defensemen. So it's like you gotta figure out who's playing and who's not. Um, I think they're gonna be a lot more defensively oriented than Vegas ever was. Um but we'll see. We'll see. I, I do think Seattle will be at least a playoff team this year. Uh, then it's the Flames. Uh, the Flames are like, they're just the Flames. They're just an average hockey team that can go on good runs. And it's just a matter of what version of, of Calgary are we going to get? That's really all you can say about them. The Oilers, they're going to be probably uh, the epitome of like second or third in this division. It's, it's Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle. All by that forward group is actually pretty solid like I, I like their forward group now it's not bad 
Um, but that they have a few guys. They have a few guys. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know about how good any of their forwards are defensively. That's the only thing, right? Like they have no defense anywhere to to think of. Yeah, they they're going to be the epitome of like six five games. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to win a lot of games. They're also going to lose a, a fair amount and come playoff time. It's going to be really interesting to see how that defense gets exposed. And I also don't have any faith in Mike Smith. I have no faith. Nope. And he just got injured. So you have less faith mm-hmm. in Mika Koska. So yeah, I just, <laughs> oh man. And then Vegas, Vegas is the best team in that division by a mile, in my opinion. Yeah. There's, not, there's nothing else to say about them. Uh, Central. So you went first for Pacific. I'll go first on Central. Sure. So. I, I mean, it's Colorado or bust, mm-hmm. to be dead honest. It's Colorado. Next, I would probably say it's Minnesota. And then I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I, I know I know, Arizona is going to be the worst team in that division. I know that. Um, but I have no idea how to gauge Dallas. I have no idea how to gauge St. Louis. I have no idea how to gauge Nashville or Winnipeg. Like, Winnipeg feels like a safe bet for third. Um but those other teams, I just, I have no idea. I feel like Dallas is just progressively re not regressing, but progressively just not being good as they were when they made the Stanley cup two mm-hmm. years ago. Um, Nashville is kind of in the same box as San Jose. They should have started rebuilding like a year after they got kicked out of the playoffs after they made the Stanley cup final. Cause just that team just, they peaked. It wasn't good enough. And then they progressively just gotten worse and worse and worse. And, and kept worse. buying big centers for no reason (laughs) getting the wrong centers yeah (laughs) you know just getting the wrong centers the blues the blues are doing a very very slow walk of death right now Mm -hmm. ever since they won the cup and they know it too they know it they know it uh but to me the central is literally colorado everybody else yeah yeah what what i know about the central is colorado's at the top there's going to be some combination of dallas nashville winnipeg somewhere in the middle minnesota probably second those those three guys in the middle st louis somewhere near the bottom chicago near the bottom and then arizona definitely i didn't even mention chicago it's kind of like just (laughs) there's like three or four different tiers there's like colorado at the top and then there's like a middle and then there's like a yeah i don't i don't think chicago is anything i think they're just trying to get out of their pr disaster by making Uh, they're trying to hide it they're absolutely trying to hide it and that's something i feel like everyone in in media needs to kind of keep going no the truth blackhawks still need to be the the little uh redheaded stepchild because Mm -hmm. they're just trying to hide this sexual abuse scandal and i mean did they improve from last year yeah they did is it enough to be a playoff team nope in their division no maybe I don't think so. I mean, I I, 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 they're they're, a, they're to me they're the definition of a bubble team, and everything has to break right. Yeah, I don't think everything. their defense is very good. Because like their defense you, got worse defensively. Seth yes. Jones is not good. Like, I don't know what happened to that man. Like maybe like part of me is thinking like maybe he just kind of got fed up with torts behind closed doors in Columbus and just started going through the motions because his trajectory was going great, and these past two years it's just been like what happened to Seth Jones. Like, what, I what think happened to more him? than anything else, he was just getting really, really sheltered by Tortorella. Like, the, Tortorella knew what he had in both him and Wierenski, and he knew that I'm just going to play them offensively. They're basically going to be wingers, and we'll deal with the rest later. And I think he's just sheltered them a lot, a lot, a lot, and Maybe. now that's what they need to be, and they're, you know, dependent on that. Maybe. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I view the Hawks as just a, a, a bubble team at best. 
Yeah. And speaking of PR, like, did you see Team USA's first three players? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Like, that's just more PR because the GM is the GM of the Literally, Chicago. Charlie McAvoy, Adam Fox, <laughs> John Carlson. Like, those are three names automatically that pop up. Yeah, you probably want to pick those guys before Seth Jones, just based off Jones' track record the past two years. I get yeah. picking Kane. Kane still is one of the – when Kane retires – you know, he's automatically going to be thrust into the best American to ever play until Matthews retires. Like, he's already going to be there. He's already at that point, let's be honest. He, is he problematic? Yes. But it makes sense why they picked him. And Austin Matthews, he's, he's the best American in hockey right now. That's mm-hmm. bar none. Uh, but, like, come on. <laughs> you yeah. pick Seth Jones? Like, Adam Fox literally just won the freaking Norris. <laughs> yeah. Seth Jones, I don't think he's even been nominated in the top three of the Norris. Yeah, he's just... And Fox just won it. I don't. I don't get it. It was the right there for the taking. Yeah, I don't get the contract. I don't get all the Look, hype. Man, just be glad you're Canadian and you don't have to deal with Team USA's idiotic roster building because I have hated yeah. every single well, Team USA <laughs> since like 2010 was the last time we had a legitimately good Team USA. Let's, let's not let's talk not about t- Sochi. Sochi was a tire fire. <laughs> Let's not talk about the 20, 2014 Canadian roster or the 2010 Canadian roster or every other year where they just like don't load up skill. on centers. They just, they just load just up on every skill. center. <sighs> yeah. But th- that's, that's the thing though. Like you can have a quarrel with it, but it doesn't matter because Canada's just that freaking yeah, good. Yeah, right. They can they can shoot themselves in the foot and still win. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. <sighs> I, I have so many thoughts about Canada's roster and why they... Like it got, it gets to a point where you don't even bother to look at like who's actually good, and then you just know you go, you like sort by we're Canada the standings dude. and just that's it. Yeah, you <laughs> just Canada, you know they're man. just gonna do whatever they want. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> All right, let's shift to the metro. Okay, hit me with you. Okay, metro. Um, again, a whole bunch of I have no idea what's gonna happen. Um, I don't know if Washington's good anymore. I don't know if Pittsburgh's good anymore. I don't know if Carolina's good anymore. Islanders are probably still good. Columbus is bad. Rangers, maybe they're good. Who knows? New Jersey's probably bad. Philadelphia, who knows? It's just a big bunch of who knows. Like, there's probably five teams that, six teams that are maybe going to be fighting for the playoffs. Like, everyone but Columbus and New Jersey. But, like, what order they go in? Like, gun to my head, I have no idea. I have no idea. Probably Uh, Washington's still going to be good. Probably Pittsburgh's still going to be good. I think Carolina got worse. I think Carolina made some really weird bets after losing Hamilton, and I don't think they're going to pay off. I think I think they made some really weird decisions. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's so yeah, hard. Man. The Metro. I mean, I keep seeing all these uh, all these national pundits say like, "Oh, the Metro is the hardest division in, in the league." I'm like, <laughs> "Is it the most re- even?" It's just the most even, and it's a whole lot of. Eh? Like, in my opinion, absolutely, the Islanders are the best team in that division. 100% they're the best team in that division. Even if they they won that by default. Yeah, yeah, like, even if they don't win the division, they're still the best team in that division, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. After Mm -hmm. that, I have no freaking idea. Like, Washington continues to just defy the whole aging thing (laughs) by just doing what they do. But now that we don't know about Ovechkin's injury they just had, Mm -hmm. but Washington's still a little questionable. You know, Carolina, Carolina's a playoff team. They're not going to be nearly as good as they were last year, in my opinion. Um, I, I think they should be fighting for a spot, but I don't know. I well, I think it's because I think it's because like it's it's the Islanders, and then everyone else is just kind of there. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like lo- okay. losing Hamilton's a huge blow to Carolina. Um, and I feel like they're trying to replace him piecemeal wise. Like they brought in, you know, Tony D'Angelo strictly for just his offensive capabilities. You try to mimic what Hamilton does, which it's going to be like discount store. Oh my God. Yeah. That value. That's, that's literally what D'Angelo was. He was discount store value. We need to have somebody who can run the power play. He can run the power play. Cause we don't have Dougie anymore. And on the defensive side, they're just hoping that Slavin and Pesci can carry them defensively. And the thing is, is like, we've already seen through microstats and some advanced stats that Slavin is nowhere near as effective without Hamilton as he was with Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, This isn't to say that Slavin is bad. He's not. Um, But I do feel like the Hurricanes are going to take a a slight step back. Uh, And then their goaltending, I get not not wanting to bank on the Djokovic, given his history. Uh, Because when you really break it down, as great as he was last season, it was a short spell. Um, I just don't know if Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta would be much better given, one, Anderson's inconsistency history. And, and injury history. And injury history, especially recent injury history. Mm-hmm. And then Ronta's entire embodiment of injury history. Like, if Ronta's healthy and stays healthy, okay, cool. I understand. Like, a healthy Ronta is a fantastic goaltender. Um, and if he stays healthy and if Anderson can, you know, get back to how he was just two years ago, then I feel like the Hurricanes are a pretty safe bet to make the playoffs. Uh, but until we see some, like, actual hockey out of them, I have no idea how to really gauge them. I think they're a playoff team. I really do. Yeah. It really comes down to goaltending, and I don't get why, like, keep, like, I th- I don't know why they got rid of Nadelkovich and at the price they, get, they got rid of him for. And on top of that, like, you could have Nadelkovich on this roster with one of the other goalies. Like, you don't need both, and you can still, you can still have him. Like, I don't get why they didn't see it out because, like, he only made $3 million. That's less than what Anderson made. It's only slightly more than what Ronta made. I don't know why they forced themselves out of that decision. Like you still could just keep with them and roll with it. Like yeah. he doesn't need to be like instantly amazing. He just needs to be like average, which is what yeah. they got. They got average, like bottom third starting goalies. But that's the thing. And I feel like, I feel like the hurricanes are riding this train of as long as we get league average goaltending, everything will take care of itself. And I feel like that's, not necessarily the best bet to have. I know mm-hmm. platooning is like the big new thing in, in the NHL in the regular season, which makes perfect sense to me. But platooning hasn't really been the best thing for teams when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah, you know that that's for sure. And also, you can platoon with two average guys, but when you get two guys who are um, solidly in the bottom half of starters, you're not going to get good good goaltending on any day. Like you might get it on some days, but like. It's not like you have a guy, right? You're rolling the dice exactly as you're as you're as you're get, uh, mimicking. Like, it's just you're betting on mediocrity and hoping that it's better than that. And at that point, you might as well just have a good starter. Yeah, uh, it'll be know. interesting to see. Like, I still think they're a playoff team. They're just going to take probably like a, a step back. Like, mm-hmm. they're banking on a lot of their forwards to really step up, which I get it because they got a lot of good forward talent. Um, but they're that that's just. This whole division just makes me just shrug and go, I uh. like the Penguins don't have Crosby, don't have Malkin. The rest of that roster is just meh, you know, the Flyers. I feel like the Flyers should be a playoff team. As long as Carter Hart like pulls his head out of his ass. and doesn't implode like he did last season. Like to me, the Flyers are a playoff team just for God's sake, 
whatever happened to Carter Hart, figure it out. Fix the kid. Like, can was, can uh, a team – I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, I have fine. to interrupt you. You're fine. Can a team with Rasmus Ristolainen be a playoff team? Man, as, can long, a, as, can as, they? as long as they don't get – like, there must have been a reason why they traded for him. I think it's a terrible trade, but – just don't play the man top line minutes. Pay, play him like a third pairing defenseman. Maybe then he'll be remotely adequate. You know? I don't know. I think he's just toxic. I Maybe don't he think is. He's, I don't think he's anything. Maybe like he I think is. he's the reason why Buffalo's been bad for so long. He's just you, you, dude. I, see, I think Buffalo is just inept. Completely inept. But there are reasons why they're inept. And I think Ristolina is a big reason why, because he doesn't know how to play defense and he takes up a lot of the power play time for not much results Ugh. that's like Ugh. he's the big defenseman of course like he there's a anyway yeah Ugh, hlgms so love their size they love their size they do but yeah <sighs> i think the teams out of the metro are going to the playoffs absolutely the islanders hurricane should make mm-hmm. it flyer should make it the fourth spot uh Pick one of Washington, maybe New York, and maybe Pittsburgh. Uh, dude, if if Pittsburgh is ends up being in a giant hole due to Malkin and Crosby being out sometime, especially especially uh, especially with uh, Malkin being out extended period of time, mm. I don't even think they can pull them out of it. Especially mm. with how suspect their goaltending has been. I mean, go, let's be honest. One thing made them lose that series against New York: goaltending. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was, and they didn't. They, they yeah. didn't. They didn't address it. So we'll they couldn't see. address it. They couldn't get anyone to do anything for them. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't address it. So like, I have no idea how to gauge the Penguins. If it's the Penguins of we of what we expect, absolutely they're a playoff team. Um, and that leaves the Devils and the Rangers as spoilers. And I don't know if the Devils are ready for that jump yet. I think they'll challenge, but they'll eventually miss it. And the Rangers, they had Tom Wilson brain. I have no idea how to gauge the Rangers. <laughs> <sighs> No idea. That's, that's I think the only thing play- to say about them. It's just they're we like, don't know how to gauge them. They're like the Eastern Conference Canucks. Their stars that's are good mean. and they're getting better. That's no, mean. their stars are good and they're getting better, but they have shot themselves everywhere but the face. Like, I mean, it's just they. I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from with that, but it's just like the Canucks have consistently done that, whereas the Rangers really only have one set of time where it happened and that's when tom wilson threw artemi panarin into the ice and then everything from then on was just oh we gotta get tough we gotta get tough even even the lundquist era they weren't a good team they were just carried by lundquist they still made questionable decisions like when the canucks were were good with sedines they were like they they really like shot themselves in the foot in the in the 2010s after after the final after the cup final after the bruins yeah they did they they they, really they did. both of those ownerships they both do that i find they both do that well, crazy like that's that's dolan for you <laughs> that's dolan for you all right all right atlantic <sighs> all right so i'm pretty sure we're both in the same boat of who the bottom four teams are we might just have them in different yep. order yep. but i but the bottom of the atlantic which we won't go into super depth about the bottom four we'll go into depth about the top four because i feel like they can go in any route in the top four mm-hmm. but the bottom four at the bottom is buffalo followed by detroit ottawa then montreal that's my that's four. exactly what i have exactly yep. what you have yep. Yep. yep yep buffalo is aiming for the bottom they're aiming for that top pick <laughs> oh that's they're bad oh my detroit god it's bad, bad but they know that they they're at least a little bit better than buffalo yep yeah ottawa is in the I same think... boat as detroit they just have 
a little more going for them, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I don't know, honestly. Like, I feel like I feel like I feel like Ottawa's team. got. I feel like Ottawa's a little more situated at forward than Detroit is. See, the thing about Ottawa is I think they're going to challenge Montreal because I think Ottawa is going to overperform and I think Montreal is going to way underperform. See, we keep we keep because counting injuries, out maybe. we keep counting out the Canadians and like that team is is literally designed to just be depth. And like, yes, they did lose a lot of a lot of talent um, over the offseason due to injuries or or something else. And as much as we clown on Bergevin, the man still finds ways to add at least decent value to his hockey team. Um, did he put too many eggs in his one basket with Price? I'd have to say so. But I mean, they just went to the Stanley Cup final. I mean, you got to give him credit for that to a certain extent. Can we call it what it is? A hot streak? Absolutely, we can. Um, but let's also remember before the before last season happened, everyone had the Canadians making the playoffs comfortably because they knew they were a good team. It's just a matter of how good are they. And now the thing is, is like, well, how bad are they? And I don't think the Canadians are are bad. I just think they're like the epitome of like mediocre right now. I think when you don't have Weber, I think when you don't have Price, and when you lose Kotkut Niemi, and I think that's just and, and also they lost their first line center, Dano. I think that's a lot off this off last year's team. I think and that's puts, just a lot. And it puts a lot on Suzuki and their new guy, Dvorak. Yeah. To, to fill in that role. No, I feel like Suzuki's ready for that. I feel like last playoffs, he really showed that he he's a that good guy. He's a good 2C, but like what I'm looking, what I'm, what I'm seeing in the rosters that they're making in their lineups uh, is they're still, they're still trying to find a way to shelter him a little bit defensively, which tells me that they don't, he's not fully ready. Like he's not, he's, how old is he? He is. Suzuki is 21, I think, or 22. 22. It's not, he's not ready yet. Like he's not going to be able to take over for Dano at all. That's I think, still, I like think that's why question. they have Dvorak. Mm-hmm. But even if, Dvorak, he's not a good defensive player. He's just offensive guy. Yeah. Like they're, I think they lose a lot defensively. I think they maybe got a little better offensively. But when you lose Price, when you lose Weber, I think that's just a big hit. And to know. Yeah. I, 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 I wonder who they're going to have platoon with Jake Allen. Because if you have someone to platoon with Jake Allen, Jake Allen's okay. Jake <laughs> Crunch Allen fans can't. know this guy. Huh? Crunch fans know the guy. Who is it? I don't know. I don't, I don't know Montembeau. Oh, I forgot he went there. Yeah. Montem- yeah. They, oh, they God. waved their other guys and they got Montembeau. Oh, God. I, okay. I so they're, they're ride or dying with Jake Allen until yeah. Price Price comes back, which what Price did, I think, was 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 huge. Like, mm-hmm. if he needed help, I'm, I'm glad he's getting it. Yeah. Um, but just looking at the roster, like, to me, it looks like a bubble team. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, think, I don't and I don't think Ottawa is even close to like being that bubble team because God is that oh boy. Because yeah. I, I look at Ottawa and it's like Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson. Okay, that's a eh first line. Then you got uh Stutzel, Shane Pinto, and Connor Brown. Eh. Nick Paul, Colin White, Austin Watson. <laughs> Alex Formentin, Chris Tierney, and Pontus Auber. Eh. And it's just like they have like one and a half lines and it's like, I don't know how they can sit there and be like, yeah, we're ready to take the next step. I'm like, no, not really. Like, yeah, Kachuk's good. And Norris and Batherston and Pinto and Stutzel look like they might be really good players, but it's like everything else about that team just makes it go. Ooh. And like defensively, who do they got? The, the Thomas Shabbat. That's like the only guy on that defense who's like even remotely worth something. 
I mean, Victor Mete, Victor Mete is okay offensively. He's a reclamation project more than you know. Else. And then, and let's not even talk about their freaking goaltending. Oh my God, Murray's terrible. horrendous. Yeah, unplayable. Horrendous. How could you? How could, how could you think you're going to be a bubble team with, with Matt Murray playing the way he is and Anton Forsberg as his backup? Like, come on, man. I just I just think the floor between those two guys, like there's a there's a massive gap between the top four in the Atlantic, as we talked about, and the bottom mm-hmm. two. They're just in such a big bubble that like I I I feel like Montreal like, Mon- like if a lot of things go wrong for Montreal, I think it's conceivable that they fall behind Ottawa. And that's only if Ottawa does really well. Because I think Ottawa, despite being a bad team, I think they still play fast. And I think they, they do. They they do. They give it a lot of effort most nights and i think that's going to get them a few wins especially against bad teams right like they're going to care more than buffalo right um i don't know it's just i i feel like that's where they're trending i think montreal's trending down and ottawa's trending up see that bit. i agree with and that i think I that's just with, I, th- I don't know when that's going to happen i don't know when that crossover is going to happen it might be this yeah. year it might be next year like but you know you can start to feel it starting to go that's yeah. maybe that's where my thinking is yeah regardless it's it's those bottom four you can put whatever order you want it doesn't matter to me but those are the bottom four clearly yeah. Yeah. and now we get to the top four arguably the most top heavy division in the entire freaking league group of death it's the group of death um honestly i think you can put these four in any in any order and mm-hmm. i don't think you're wrong i really I wouldn't don't. blame anyone yeah for if you if this. you put Toronto first, don't blame me. You put Tampa first, I don't blame you. you put Boston first, I don't blame you. Put Florida first, I don't blame you. Because they yeah. all are good freaking hockey teams. All it's of just, them fourth as well. I wouldn't blame you. Yeah. This is like it it, it literally just depends on who's healthier mm-hmm. and who can maintain streaks better. That's literally what it comes down to in the regular season between these four teams. Um and God help. God, this 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 division is gonna be just a <laughs> nightmare, dude. Like an absolute and nightmare. And that gets right into my first point. I, I'm just going to start off right with the top. I think Toronto is going to win the division simply because they're going to be trying really hard in the, in the, in the regular season more than anyone else. I think they're just going to be, I think, they're, I think they're trying to, I think they're trying to erase their, their reputation. They're embarrassing. <laughs> they're just going to go all, they're going to go all in all the way in the regular season. And then I don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. They're going to leave. They're, they're absolutely. Yeah. Well, obviously they're going to do that, but like, I think Tampa knows to be smart in the regular season and not just give it all of it right away. They know to manage themselves. Florida, I think they are smart. I think Quenville is smart. I think they know they might not have like the same top end as Toronto, but I think they're still a really good team. And I think they'll just, you know, they'll, they'll putter along. Boston is also smart, but I think they're going to be more hampered by injuries than anything else. So that, that leaves basically Toronto in the, in the regular season. And then the playoffs, everything's going to flip basically. Yeah. I feel like, they're only said, try, they're try they're gonna try hard basically. and i said and i said this in a, in a separate podcast um the third line plug podcast with some ottawa guys like tampa's biggest thing that they're gonna worry about throughout the entire regular season is mm-hmm. well biggest things i should say is we need to stay healthy mm-hmm. we need to play our game and we need to we need to make sure we adjust to what teams are going to do to us and that's mm-hmm. what tampa did at the tail end of last season you know you know, they need to get healthy because Hedman wasn't playing well. We had lost Stamkos for a little bit. We still didn't have Kucherov, and we were trying to figure out how to sur- still still how to survive without Kucherov. And we just focused on ironing out all of our kinks, going back to what to what we knew was winning hockey, and then just getting healthy. 
we got healthy. We got Kucherov back. We got Stankos back. We then just ran. Well, I wouldn't say we ran rough shit, but we took care of Florida, <laughs> a team that throughout the entire season it kicked then, our ass. And, and then, then <laughs> well, no, 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 because we, we, I mean, yeah, we we took care of Carolina really quick and easy, but that Islander series was that was a nail biter. That really was a nail. It was biter. a nail biter for a bit, and then it kind of got easier at the end. But I mean, let me go, yeah, but let me go back to your your what like your, the notes that you're taking off about what the what the light what the how the lightning run their season i don't think i don't like i think you're absolutely right and i think that's absolutely how you do it and making mm-hmm. those adjustments as you go and like finding those b and c plans and all that kind of stuff i don't think toronto's learned that learned that at all i think oh, they yeah. still run headlong with their first line and think that's what gets you in and they don't they don't adjust at all they've never adjusted Sheld- like i don't think any of sheldon keeps teams have ever made any major adjustments during the season until they've absolutely had to like it was game six in the playoffs when they finally put Nylander on the power play on the first power play. It, it took that long for them to make a difference. It took, it took to them until two games until yeah. getting knocked out to change like, it. Like the final 90 minutes of their season. Right. Like, I, I don't think they learned how to make adjustments. I don't, I don't think they've learned how to like manage their season, how to stay healthy and not force stuff It's yeah. And for that reason, I think Tampa, like, you remember last year, like it was touch and go by the end. Like Tampa still had to work to get in, in the playoffs and like they made sure they ramped it up. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's the biggest thing between these top two. Should well, we talk about the, the second two? Um, about three and four? If we're, if we're going to break it that way, I do feel like it is Tampa, Toronto. We're going to be the mm-hmm. upper echelon of those four. Um, since you took the lead on, on kind of taking those, I'll take the lead on the other two with Boston and Florida. If we're picking between Boston and Florida, if we're picking, the easy thing would be to say to Boston. But literally looking at this roster, it's literally Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, David Posturok, and a merry band of just, eh. Like, literally, literally their entire center core is Pradesh Bergeron and nothing but mediocrity. Like, Charlie Coyle at second-line center. Bro, they tried that in Minnesota. It didn't work. <laughs> Eric Halla, third-line center. Eh. Thomas Nosek marked as a fourth line center. I mean, they got really good wings. You know, their top six wings, I think, are fine. Like, they're, they're per- like Brad Marchand and Taylor Hall on the left. That's great. Dan Poshnak, Craig Smith on the right. That's great. Hell, Jake DeBrus is a third line winger. That's probably what he is right now. You know, Nick Felino probably has no business being in the top nine. He's probably a fourth liner at this point in his career. Um, but their wingers, I think, are fine for the most part, really. Those centers, though, scare the living hell out of me. And God forbid Bergeron gets hurt or finally father time catches up to him. Boston is screwed. Yeah, I completely agree. But I am still always worried that because like Boston's, their format has always been first line does everything. And then the other lines just kind of play even. Right. And I think mm-hmm. there's that's work for them. And I have no reason to believe that it won't work for them, which makes me scared of, putting them like about saying they're bad now even though they've had you know they've had bad playoff performances they've you know really struggled they've had their guys are pretty old now like how old is Bergeron let me look 36 he's 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 really getting there and I don't want to ever bet against Bergeron and that that line but I think the thing for me is I think Florida is just they've done a lot they've made themselves a lot better I mean there's still questions with Florida I mean is is Sam Bennett really a second line center now you know he was fantastic for the panthers uh when he showed up all throughout the regular season and in the postseason he was fantastic 
Um, but let's not mince words. We can't get overly enamored in, in what he did in that small sample size. Mm-hmm. Um, could that be what he is? Yes, it absolutely could be. And if it, and if he is that, then Florida's really dangerous. Um, but you know, it just depends if, if Sam Bennett is a legit top end to see, then this Florida team's going to be terrifying because that top line is really nice. Uh, that second line is looking really good. Third line's actually looking surprisingly strong. And they have I mean, a lot of good working guys there. They do. They have a lot of guys that work really well. And I mean, they found diamonds in the rough with Duclair, who's finally getting a real shot for Hay- Akari. You know, yep. Uh, Akari, um, Verhage, you know, and they're still anchored by Barkov and Huberto, you know, and that defense is good, man. Yeah. That defense yeah. is good. It's a really well made defense. Yeah. I it's really a solid like it. defense. And I mean, their biggest question is in goal, you know. You've got you've got Spencer Knight, who in, in very spot duty he was good, but let's be honest, we can't get overly enamored in, in spot duty and small sample sizes. Still with only twenty years old. Yeah, he's still a twenty year old. Do we expect him to be good? Absolutely, but we have to see it. And then there's Sergey Bobrovsky, who has been bad for a while. Yeah, um, he's been he's been up really up really down really up really down, and you yeah. just you have no idea what you you're don't know get what you're him. getting out of him. Yeah, my my only thing is that like, is is Bennett going to be the two C? Is that what how, how they're going to run it? Because they have they have Sam Reinhardt and he's really 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 good and I think they he's have him, be they PC. have him at wing right now they do okay with because Barkov I, with Barkov which is smart Huberto, or or what huh is that their first line because that's a really good no first they're line. right now their first line is projected to be Verhage Barkov Reinhardt then Huberto Bennett Duclair Vetrano Akari Hornquist uh, Marchmont Thornton Tippett okay see I because I can I, I can see myself believing like. Bennett doesn't have to be perfect. He doesn't have to he be doesn't. great. I think I think Huberto can 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 kind of carry a line from a wing. I, I, that's kind of where I see it. Like I don't. I think he has a he has a lot of support there on the second line, which kind of worries me. And then with Reinhardt in the first line, that's really 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 good. I mean, they can. I re- mi- I'm a really big fan of Sam Reinhardt. Like they, I think they, they could fan. always mix things up because as phenomenal as Barkov is, Huberto mm-hmm. is still um, a a decent step down from Barkov. Uh, he doesn't drive play nearly as well as Barkov. Um, but what Huberto does exceptionally well is that when he does get offensive possession, which is, I mean, he, he does that more times than he doesn't. The thing that makes Huberto an extremely gifted player is that he makes every possession count yep. and he makes you pay. That's what Huberto is exceptionally good at. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see what happens. They might mix things up. They might not. I have no idea. But this is what they're projected to, to look like. Yeah. Um, I think they have really good flexibility. They well. do, and that does that does do a guys. lot of good. They can move a lot of guys, and it won't really hurt them that much at all. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm with you on the fact that you just can't count out Boston's top line until they actually do regress. Just, yeah. But God, dude, just God forbid if Bergeron gets hurt, that's <laughs> gonna get ugly. Because yeah. that well, center depth is terrible. You and I wouldn't really hate that. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Anyone outside of Boston wouldn't hate that. Yeah. You know, but I mean. Yeah, like if, if I'm going to go with my actual prediction, I would say I go Toronto, Tampa, uh, Boston, Florida. That's right. that's how I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing for us, since, you know, this is a lightning podcast, we need to talk about the freaking lightning, <laughs> is more than anything, everything comes, it, it, oh, which is our entire season, but like our push for a 3 peak comes down to two big things, all right? Can Anthony Sorelli get back to how he was in 2019 in both offensively and defensively and can this makeshift new third line whatever it's going to actually be 
do at least a quarter to maybe half of what Lord's Light did. Um, and I know the third line got a lot of press, even for myself last year, because of how fantastic they were. And they were, they were fantastic. But let's remember what, what forward led every player on this team in ice time la- in the playoffs last year. Do you know? Great point. Yanni Gord. Oh, it's Yanni Gord, right. Okay. Yanni Gord led every single forward in ice time Shit. because that was the I don't give a damn line. Yeah. And they were fantastic in suppressing chances and just bludgeoning teams, you know? Damn, that's And, and, and it's, it's yeah. what I've always told everyone who's asked me. is like, how did Tampa do it? I'm like, easy. We just, we literally had a top line that was better than everyone else's top line. And then we had two second lines that just came at you and beat the hell out of you. That's how we won. Yeah. And they, and, then, and they didn't have to worry about line matching. They didn't have to worry about, about matchups. And well, it, that it was, kind of luxury of just not worrying really helped i think it, it was the luxury of hey your top line we can put you against sorelli's line or yeah. gord's line and then yeah. your and then your second or third lines <laughs> have fun dealing with brain point nikita kucherov <laughs> yeah and usually the that. second line's like the the defensively sheltered line so you just run rough shot on them too yeah that's how we won is that we had and we call it a a, a checking line but it, i mean like let's be honest, let's be honest the gord line wasn't a checking line they just went out there and beat the shit out of you it was a possession but, line they just they just went out there and beat the hell out of you they and they and they embodied everything that the team stood for which was hard for checking creating um scoring opportunities off the rush and off a cycle you know and enabling arguably i mean jesus christ dude like the left side of this defense is still probably the most stacked left side in the entire league i can't believe it and the thing is is like every model is still underrating headman because Mm -hmm. of how bad he was at the back half of the season of his which injury. is fine. Like, which is do fine. that. It's just, you know, you got to account for the fact that he's healthy now. That he's Victor freaking Hedman. And yes, he's, you know, he's Mr. Hedman. I mean, the right side, let's not talk about it. It's, it's Eric Chernak and uh, replacement level guys around him. But Eric Chernak has really solidified himself as, you know, mm-hmm. a legit second pairing defenseman. Like he and really the guys on the And the guys on the left are very, very capable of, capable of just carrying their partners. And that's how you do it right? Like it's okay that they're replacement level partners because, you know, you have the guys who can carry replacement level. The partners. fact that the fact that we can have Mikhail Sergachev on the quote unquote third pair I know. is a crime. And the thing <laughs> is, is like, we say, we like, we say, yeah, yeah. Sergachev's on a third pair, but he doesn't play third pair in minutes. The dude <laughs> plays like 20 minutes a night. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the hilarious thing is like, I, I wonder if this is going to be a thing moving forward with teams in the sense of, especially with like franchise defensemen like Hedman where you could have him quote unquote on a pairing with Jan Ruda, mm-hmm. but not really on a pairing with Jan Ruda, where it's just like, <laughs> just throw Hedman out there with anybody and yep. he'll do fine. Which is literally what we've been doing. If you look, if you actually look at the ice times, it yeah. goes Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev, and then it drops a little bit by like a minute or two to Chernak. And then it drops hugely to everyone else. Like literally go look at the ice times. Anyone who's listening to this, go look at the ice times in the playoffs and even the regular season after we made the David Savard trade, like top ice time of the, the, the top four ice time was in order. I pretty much remember if right. It was Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev, all over 20 minutes. Chernak was a, just a little bit below 20 minutes. And then it drops to like 15 minutes. That's where Savard was. And then it drops even further where, any, where everybody else was. And so it was literally just, we have one real pairing in McDonough, Chernak, we then have Hedman and Sergachev just going out there with anybody and just running rough shit over people. 
And so yeah. it's it's an interesting dynamic that our, our defensive core has because we really only have one true pairing. And then everything else is just Hedman and Sergachev just go out there and do something. Yeah, and that's how seven defensemen works really well because you can just play any of those guys with Hedman and they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. They'll be fine. Like the, the one of the funniest things was when when Zach Bogosian signed with the Leafs last year, a lot of people were like, Yeah, he played with Hedman. He was great. He was on a top pair. And I'm like, that's not how this works. That's, that's not no, how the, any of that works. No, he was on a top <laughs> pair. No, dude, just because he's listening on top. Like, look at the ice times, man. It is so funny. Bogosian played like what 11 minutes was, a night? Yeah. Yeah, Isn't it was that, so like, funny. Uh, and then people realize really quickly, oh, he's a third-period defenseman. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. We play with Hedman. Yeah, because Hedman can literally play with anybody. And if you just look at the ice times, man, just look at the freaking ice time. Stop looking. We had to start looking at pairings. It's like, okay, who's the real guy on this pairing? Like, I know some teams still run traditional pairings, but Tampa's really spearheading this whole, you know, yeah, we have pairings, but I mean, we just cycle. We're really just writing three or four guys and just rotating the other guys in as much as much mm-hmm. as we can. Which is which is why the development of Cal Foot is so instrumental in really trying to provide some level of balance to this defense, especially as Hedman ages into his thirties and as McDonough continues to age into his thirties. Like right now, McDonough has defied Father Time for the most part, but at some point, it's going to catch up to him because he's got a lot of miles in that body. A lot yeah, of miles. Yeah. I don't think he's missed the playoffs his entire career. Um, and so that's why Cal Foot has to develop because I feel like Chernak can still kind of, I think Chernak's at the point now where he can hold his own and carry McDonough when McDonough starts to regress a little bit. Um, but Foot really needs to like at least get be close. above the third pair. Yeah, he needs to at least get close to what Chernak is. Mm-hmm. At, I, just, being I, I worry because when I see him play, I don't see that. I worry about that. That's yeah, the biggest that's thing where I'm like, I don't think he has it. Like, that's what we need, but I don't think he has it. Yeah, my my biggest worry with Foot, ever since I first saw him in preseason games and, and, and anything in a Lightning uniform, because he didn't do this in Syracuse that much, mm-hmm. at least from what I saw, was I feel like he's pensive with the puck. Yeah. Now, yes, he lacks foot speed, but he, his skating has gotten better. He, he, has, he has fundamentally gotten better. His positioning is actually really, really solid. But his decision-making with the puck, I feel, is very, very questionable at moments. And I feel like that has to do with confidence. He hasn't really found his groove yet. I don't think he has the instincts to be able to play above a third pair to really, like, and run that's why, any kind of line. And that's yeah. why I feel like it's imperative for the Lightning to really just – you got to put him out there and you need to let him grow. You need to put him out there with Hedman. You need to put him out there with Sergeyev and let them show him the way because that whole half-baked thing we did last season with him – Mm-hmm. which constituted the trade for David Savard, which I get it. Um, like we, we foot has to develop. He has to, because we do not have an answer. Yeah. There's no one else behind him. Really. There's no like, one else behind him. Who's going to be worth something, yeah. Like he needs to develop. There and the are, thing is, yeah. is like, we've shown that we can develop defensemen because let's be honest, we developed Sergeyev. Mm-hmm. Like Sergeyev was offensively always going to be this offensive monster that he is but his de- his defensive development that's us yeah he was that's 100 so percent us he was that's so, 100% so us. And Chernak, yeah. Chernak's growth ever since he came to our organization from the kings and the ben bishop trade he has jumped astronomically so those are two guys who we have developed like fundamentally we've developed those guys so we can do it but we have to figure out what's the best way to develop the foot because if he doesn't develop this defense is going to get ugly really quick especially with injuries yeah, that, I think he, that that is my biggest worry. Yeah, I think they, I think the Lightning have a re, have done a really good job of like 
taking what someone is special at, either offensive or defensive or whatever, and just evening out the rest and just making them playable for the rest. And we'll see if Kalpo can do that right now. I hope so. And he's going to get a better chance than he ever has simply because, like, who else is on the defense? Bogosian's back, which is... Bogosian, that's it. I think, yeah, but, like, Bogosian's still pretty good. Like he's still like he can still play a third pair solidly yeah. and not really get that's that's that why the that's that's why Foot's injury really isn't that big yeah. of a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let him really heal, let him get back, can, and then bring that back nice and slow. Yeah, they have yeah. the same salary, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's really a it's really a like one versus one battle of who's seven, who's six, and and to know. your yeah, point, we'll see. to your point of like trying to spread it around. Um, and accentuate player skills. I feel like that's the biggest thing with Sorelli and Colton moving forward. Mm-hmm. Is like, okay, yeah. I've always, I've always said this, and you know, I've said this. I've said this in Slack numerous times. I haven't said it out loud because uh, people are very, very defensive about Sorelli. But like, as phenomenal as Sorelli is defensively, even though he took a, he took, he took a very big step back last year overall defensively, he bounced back in the playoffs. He very much did defensively in the playoffs. Um, but he has to be able to drive play offensively better. Um, and he started showing it a bit more in last season playoffs. In the 2020 Cup final, I, I literally wrote a whole freaking article about how Sorelli needs to be better at driving offense and he needs to finish his chances. He then proceeded to the score of the, you know, the game six overtime winner that sent us to the Stanley Cup final. That's great and all, but the overall picture with Sorelli is he doesn't finish his chances when he does get them. I think it's um, really weird that like, he kind of has swung in both directions. Like he's been really good defensively, but his offense has gone away or he's been good offensively and his defense hasn't been there. I hope it's a, it's a case of just him maturing and getting a little bit older and a little bit better and just finding a way to kind of have both and show both at the same time. Um, it's, it's just happened with so many AHLers where like, there's so many AHLers that are, that want, that are told you're an, you're a defensive player, go be, go be defensive. And they don't think about offense. And then, there's a coach that says we need you to play some offense and then they go play offense and they're amazing. And like, it's just a case of just letting them breathe and letting them telling them that they can do both and they should be able to do both. And you can see both the offense and the defense and yeah, we'll see. We'll see what's with, with Sorelli. I believe in him a lot. I think, I, he's, I think he has it. Like he's a gamer. He's really smart. Like he's a smart player. He's, he's got a lot of talent and yeah, yeah. He's just, you know, he needs to get there. He's 24 now. It's, it's starting to become time of like, okay, this is what you are now. What are you? Right. Yeah. And, um, and, and, yeah. The, and the, the optimistic view on Sorelli is the fact that his ups have outweighed his downs overall yes. in his career. Yes. And so I'm optimistic that he'll bounce back and be the guy that he was in 19, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third line, this is, this is, this is the big question mark about the team, you know, Ross Colton's obviously going to be the center, but who are going to be his wings right now? It looks like it's going to be Stamkos and Perry, which is a very interesting development because I think it's the coaching staff realizing that Stamkos just isn't the player he used to be. Um, I mean, I know there were rumors about he might possibly retire in the offseason just to how, how his body is starting to break down on him. Um, but to me, that doesn't mean that Stamkos is, is irrelevant. Like he's still, I don't want to put the label of just he's a power play specialist. Uh, but his play driving capabilities have obviously taken a hit. Um, and in long stretches of the play, I wouldn't say long stretches, but certain stretches of the playoffs last year, he felt a little invisible at times. Um, 
So it'll be interesting to see if they stick with this whole keeping Joseph up with Cerulean Kalorn and keeping Stamkos down with Colton and Perry and -hmm. see what that does. And that might, that very well might be what they do. And it might work perfectly. You never know. Um, I am a bit more um, bearish on Colton than others. Um, He came in and just was on fire, especially from a, from a uh, goal scoring perspective, Mm -hmm. but his, his playmaking is still a little suspect to me. Uh, his forechecking is fantastic. He's got good legs. He's a, he's a hell of a forechecker. Um, my whole thing with Colton is I just need you to see it over a whole season, and then I'll really start mm-hmm. believing in you. Because mm-hmm. there were moments in the, during the postseason where I was like, eh? He kind of showed that fourth liner kind of – he showed that what, what can happen to him when he regresses, I think. And that's yeah. scary. I think more than it anything scary. else. It is scary because we really need that third line center to at least, I wouldn't say be Gord again, but at least provide, like I said earlier, a quarter or a half of the value yeah. that, that um, Gord had there. The good uh, thing about Colton versus like in him replacing Gord is that I think he can, like, he has like the core, the core value from Gord on the third line was, you know, four checker hard against everyone, like works hard, good and good in back checks and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think Colton has that. So even if he doesn't provide that surplus value of offense and of just domination, that's okay. Like he at least does the base core, like it's like the Amazon basics, right? Like he does the, he does the the basics of it. And I think that should be fine. And going back to Stamkos, like yeah, let's let's look at him objectively as a as a player at this point. Like you see him as middle six winger, um, can play some center, really really strong in the power play, uh, can give you a few, few goals sometimes. And in the in the regular season, he was actually really good before his injury. Um, but you know, because of his injuries, he's not fully reliable. And I think that's a really good third liner. I think that gives you a good third liner who can come into the second line if you need to. And I think that'll that'll be um, the role he plays. And I think he's he like remember early in his career when he was just a sniper and he didn't do anything else in his game. He's not that at all. Like, that's not how he turned into. And, he's definitely a more well-rounded player now. Yeah, and because he's well-rounded, he's not gonna bury anyone. He's gonna be a really good player. And it, like I think I don't I don't expect the, thir- the the current third line to be how it is. I think Stamkos is gonna spend about half his time on the second line. I like I think it's gonna move around a lot. Um, but I, I, at the current moment, I think R- Colton having, you know, someone who can, who's been an offensive guy and who can drive play a little bit and can be that kind of responsible guy next to him in Stamkos is, would be really good for Colton. And I think let's talk about the second line for a bit. Sorelli, he's having to take on more responsibility. He doesn't, he doesn't have Stamkos next to him anymore, but he does have Joseph who's a bit more of a center. He can, he's played center before and he did pretty well there. And I think those two guys platooning there. And then Colton and Stamkos platooning there works really well for them, uh, for the four of them, especially if the second line is a little bit more sheltered than, um, than it has been in the past. And the third mm-hmm. line can take on a little bit more of the defense than what we expected yeah. initially. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment for the most part. Now let's talk about the bubble guys. Sure. Three bubble guys <laughs> who none of us really know how to gauge. Yeah. Barry Belay, Kachuk, Radish. There are three really different players. Yes. I think that's the problem when you're trying, when trying to compare them. And that's the problem we've had a lot this, re, this preseason. It's like 
we don't know how to rank them because it's apple, orange, and banana. Like they're all mm-hmm. so different. Mm-hmm. I feel like Barry Boulay, if he makes the team, he has to be in the top six in order to make him be effective, which that actually might not be a bad thing because let's just say, let's just say you, you put Barry Boulay on the top line with Point and Kucherov and let him figure it out. You then shift Palat down to the Colton line or the Sorelli line. Since Palat is literally the Swiss army knife. Well, I shouldn't say that. Palat and Kalorn are the Swiss army knives on this team where they can kind of go anywhere and they'll be good. And so maybe that's what they do. And that helps even out a lot of the, the, the talent on this roster. Um, But that also means Barry Belay is kind of one-dimensional. He can only play in the top six because he's not going to be effective on in, in the bottom six. Whereas Radish and Kachuk, I think, fit a little better in the bottom six, and it leaves your top six relatively intact. You know, I think um, my problem with that is just on the first line, they've lost the Gord line. They they're starting to split up Sorelli and Samkos. You need a line you can depend on. Mm-hmm. I think you just like it's it's really easy to to balance it a little bit more. But then that gives you that doesn't give you a line that you can really depend on when you really need it, right? And I think they gotta keep that first line intact from last year, and just like, well, let's remember that trust, like, we'll trust that they can carry a lot more of the load. Like you're expecting them now that Gord's gone to take on more load. You yeah. can't do that when uh, Barry Belay is there. That's true. That's a fair point. But at the same point, we also have to remember that when Barry Belay was on that top line, he was taking Kucherov's spot. So mm-hmm. it's a matter of. He's not taking Palat's spot. Yeah, he's not, you know, he'll be taking Palat's spot. Um, so it, it kind of changes the dynamic a little bit. And I think it's just something we should at least maybe think about to a certain extent and just see. Uh, because this, this, co- this coaching staff has in the past kind of spread the talent out a little bit to try to make themselves much more balanced, which is why Kutrov and Point, you know, none of our forwards really play over 20 minutes, like, like a Toronto where it's Matthews or Bust. Um, that's what Actually, that's Martyr, who's the highest point. Um, oh, yeah, it's Martyr, who's, who's the so highest. Like, so it's like more than defenseman, but hardly any of our players ever do really play more than 20 minutes a night because mm-hmm. they they even it out so much because they know they can do that. And I think that's a philosophy that is that this roster has not this roster, but this coaching staff has. And so moving around Palat or Kalorn, um, to help even out the lines would not surprise me in the slightest it's just a matter of who the hell is going to be in that who's going to be that last forward i i, I have no idea i really yeah, don't i think because none of them have, have impressed me i think the reality is it's going to be we're going to see all of our ideas this season because you know the lightning they experiment they try everything um looking at it from a roster building perspective as a gm um looking at looking at the looking at the preseason preseason i think kachuk has won a job I think he's been the best player out of the three mm-hmm. for what I've seen from him. I think he's a really good play, play, uh, playmaker. Um, and he's, he's got some offense and I think he's the most, I wouldn't say confidence, but I would say he has the most kind of like competence almost maybe. I don't know. Like he feels like he knows what he's doing more, more often than not. And he does do what he's doing. Like he does do what he's supposed to do pretty well. Um, I think he's going to be the hardest guy to try and get through waivers because this is this is now a game of trying to get someone through waivers. I think he's going to be the hardest to get through waivers. I think Radish, oh, he's kind of been getting a lot of shit lately for in practices. We saw that. Uh, Cooper kind of laid into him. Um, I don't know. I think he's kind of pooching it. Like he he came in from the last year in Syrac- last year in Syracuse as a as a really important kind of dependable guy, and I don't think he's shown that at all which is kind of annoying because you, you have the, the evidence, but then you don't see the evidence and it's, you don't know what to do. 
I feel like he's the guy that you try and wave and see if you can get through and, and expect maybe uh, the other teams to not think of, of a 24-year-old who hasn't played in the NHL and expect to give him a roster spot. I think he's probably the most likely to, to be able to get sent down. So I think that might end up being what happens because you never know about Barbele. Like bad teams are always going to want some guy who has some offense on him. And, you know, like, like with Connor Brown, he was a fourth liner in Toronto and he's a second liner and first yeah. liner almost in, in Ottawa. Right. So on a bad team, you can take a, a bad player who has some offense and make them pretty good. So that's kind of how I see it. Like, I think, I think you're going to want all three throughout the season. I think you're going to really want to have, that kind of flexibility and be able to move them up and down. So I think you you start with Barbele probably on the fourth line and give that fourth line some offense, like give it some give it some juice. Because as much as I like uh, Pierre Edward uh, Belmar, he's old. He's getting old now. It's it's kind of worrisome to expect a lot from him, especially when he's the fourth line center right behind Colton. Because if Colton falters and he's he kind of regresses from a really high shooting percentage and save percentage from last year. I think I would like Barry Boulay there just in case because he can play center, right, uh, as an extra guy. So that's kind of how I'm thinking about it from a flexibility, like, GM standpoint. Like, let's see if we can keep as many of them as we can, what gives us the best option for that, and then figure it out in the regular season when we start uh, adjusting. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see where you're coming from on that one. And then, of course, the last thing is the goaltending. I mean, what else is there to really say? Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky. Yeah. Like I know Elliot had has been atrocious the past few years, but like yeah. as long as the guy can be treading water for like 20 games, maybe 25 games, you know, okay, we'll be fine. You know, I know they didn't have the budget for it, but I was yeah. kind of hoping they would get someone who can play a little bit more and be, and just, just, you know, not be 36 years old. Yeah. Just someone who's just not that. That's just the, in a slightly different direction. That's yeah. just, I think that's just the nature of how the roster is constructed right now. They have to pinch pennies in goaltending. Yeah. Um, I mean, and let's be honest, maybe Elliot can, you know, at least be average. It's really, that's all he needs to be is just yeah. average. Even if we, he's uh, bad, like he can be insulated. Like it's just, Ma- just McElhinney was sure. insulated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. McElhinney wasn't great in those last year. But, you know, yeah. it was enough. Last year, he was bad. The year before that, he was average. This past year, he was bad. He was fundamentally bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was twofold. I think it was part the team's fault, part his fault. Because, one, the team just didn't get him enough reps. Yeah. And they just threw his ass out there. I feel like, I feel like they set his ass up to fail in certain situations. But he also just wasn't good enough. Um, with Elliot, I'm hoping that he can play 20 to 25 games because i would love to have vasculeski play, play no more than 60 like let's 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 get him between 50 and 60 okay give him the quote-unquote starters workload but not burn his ass out because let's be honest both of these cup runs on top of everything else this team did exceptionally freaking well vasculeski was a freaking wall mm-hmm. oh my god he, he won us that cup and he won a couple series there yeah he absolutely islanders did. yeah and the, what yeah. he shut out he shut out Montreal for the cup. He mm-hmm. shut out the Islanders to get to the cup. Uh, didn't we shut out Carolina to get to this, to, to, to get to the Eastern conference? Final? Yeah, that was a shutout. Yeah. Yeah. We shut him out. Did we shut out Florida too, to win the series? Um, let me go look. Let me, uh, let me see if I can find it. Yeah. Uh, no, not that website. The other website. Um, I'm going, I'm going through the schedule. Uh, yes. Yeah, we shut to... Florida out. We shut them out for nothing. Game five, Carolina, Tampa. We shut yeah, out shut Carolina. Out yeah, yep. no, 
every series clincher he shut them out yeah islanders one nothing uh and then we beat montreal two nothing Right, no, or one yep. thing, one thing, one thing, one nothing, one nothing. Uh, yeah, Canes, two nothing. Yeah, and, and then four the nothing. Panthers, four nothing. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. Freaking yeah. goalie, man. When it when it came oh, down man. to stepping the hell up, <sighs> Andre Vasilevsky stepped the hell up. And that came after you know giving up four goals to Florida. I don't mm-hmm. know if he was an empty netter or not, but that's what what I'm reading. And then it comes from giving up four goals against Carolina, and that comes after giving up three goals to New York in those game six in those the game before game before yeah he gave up goals and he was like okay nope not anymore and then shut him out in the finals that's, and, that's and how the, he rolls and the one game that my montreal scored their most goals that they won up that weird fluky bounce in overtime came right back and said nope yeah nope gave up three goals zero next game yep. and that was it freaking yeah, goalie he's, man he's, this is this is yeah he has blossomed into just an absolute monster and the thing is he's not even rated as the best goalie in the league he's rated number two he should be should be the the thing with goalies is like it's really like when you have that superstar and you don't have to pay him as much as like the world and you though here's the thing when you have the superstar who is not yet in the ufa years that's like the golden golden nugget like you're if you don't have that you're either paying for an older guy who is probably not going to get you like vasilevsky sorry not Vasile, um Bobrovsky, or you're trying to double up like the canes or you're trying to do something and you're trying to work with less goalie goaltending but when you have just that golden nugget it's just you know what everything's so much easier you know what's something we should probably look at at some point is Mm -hmm. like cap allocation to certain players because like when you look at our roster we have three guys making nine and a half which all like points not making nine and a half yet. He's in his last year of his contract. Um, but next year, you'll have Point, Kucherov, and Vasilevsky all making nine and a half. Stamkos making what he makes eight and a half. Eight, yeah, five. he makes eight and a half. Yeah. Hedman makes like 7.8. Okay. So like I think that's something we should look into at some point in a future episode or something, yeah. and just how we allocate I, our I would money love, compared I would love to like to look, other teams. I would love to look at how you allocate money. From like 27 and under and then 28 and older like let's separate the ufa and the and the younger players and i would like to i'd love to see who where how that's kind of being split up because i think the lightning have done a really good job of like yeah they're paying their guys but most of them are young except for sam coast and headman right they're, they're they're in that they're in that range where they're still at their best you're not paying you're not starting a contract in the in the ufa years when they're 28 right it's just it's a little bit nicer it's for, like that that's why like if we did it without worrying about age we would kind of be lumping Bobrovsky and Vasilevsky in the same category and I don't think that's anywhere close that's to reality yeah right so you know I I love to see what happens when you you're paying your own stars versus when you're you have to buy your guys mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I definitely want to dive into that at some point that'd be definitely fun. do that'd definitely. be like a nice mid-season kind of look yeah you get some data yeah. yeah that'd be dope but all right we got through it buddy we got <sighs> through it. First episode back. Oh, God, it's weird. <laughs> it's so weird, man. It's so freaking weird. Um, but all right, man. Um, shoot. This is I, don't fun. To, I don't even know how to end these anymore. <laughs> I have no idea how to end these, man. It's usually so with music. Long. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I'll, I have like a day and a half to figure that shit out. <laughs> but um, 
yeah, man. I think this uh, I think this duo host thing might be might be a good thing to do. I mean, I don't this have to sit here and make things up on my own anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this yeah, so I, I guess so. We don't have a set schedule yet um, because uh, I work full time now, and it's it's hectic. Um, and you're in school, so it's just one of those things of like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll I think, we know there's a window. There'll be a week where we we, we find a yeah. day and we'll we'll settle into something. Like you think you think twice a month is is something we could work? Yeah, I think I think twice hour. a month is something we could possibly work. Yeah, it's just like an hour, an hour and a half. Just, yeah, if yeah. that on a weekend yeah. or something. Yeah, but like it is now. It's a Saturday for Christ's sake. But yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, right. um, they, I guess I should do the uh, whole outro to people now. I guess I should just so it's already recorded and ready to go. People are listening <laughs> to us. Wow. No, no, no. Well. They will be listening to us. Oh, oh they will be. They will be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thank thank you all for um, listening to the return of Charged Up. Um, it's been a long time coming. Um, I do plan to get this better and better. Uh, I am out of practice badly. So, but yeah, um, follow Hardev and myself on Twitter. You can catch Hardev at at Hardev Lad on Twitter. You can catch me at at Matthew S Estevez. Uh, S is spelled E S T E V E S. We both write for Raw Charge. Uh, Hardev is much more involved in it on the daily basis than I am. I more so like the hey, I cover the games and I do special things. Hardev is more like I got everything else. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I do everything. <laughs> that used to be me. That I have since um, returned to a, a normal pace. But yes, generally daily. Are you are stuff. you still writing for um, My High too? Uh, no, I I needed to step away from them because just. I stayed full-time school right I, um, I still write at pension pop okay yeah still a ppp and raw charge and i think that's a nice kind of balance for me that's your home yeah yeah that's raw charge home. is my home ppp is is my is my home base but you know raw, i will always say raw charge is my home that was my first site it was it was where i first felt like a family so good to be still here i'm hopefully, never i'm i don't want to leave here hopefully hopefully the leaves will make you feel like a family at some point no, I, I only care about the three-peat now. <laughs> <laughs> Screw the least Phantom, dude. I'll hop on the three-peat. Screw everything I, else. I, oh, I, I oh. cheer for Toronto because that's my birthright. I cheer for Tampa to be happy. Good man. That's smart. <laughs> that is smart. You know, I, that, that, that thing you... <laughs> that's, that's the thing we should have talked about is, is the three-peat. Like, mm. I feel like, yes, we should absolutely root and hope for the three-peat, but I don't think we should put all of our eggs in the three P basket. I feel like if anything, we just need to keep ourselves in the upper echelon of the league. We can't fall off like yeah, every other Stanley like Cup champion has. Just like before, same mentality as before. Just keep being at the top and mm-hmm. roll the dice. Because like, we just look at every other, like what? Before us, it was St. Louis. They're now almost a bubble team. Before them, it was Washington. Washington is, they're aging themselves out. Before that, it's Pittsburgh twice. Pittsburgh is now on the verge of looking at the end of the Crosby area. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> and before them, uh, Chicago. The Chicago has been a joke ever since they won their last cup. Um, before Chicago, it's the Kings. Kings are a bottom feeder trying to yeah. get back up. Yeah. Like every team that's won the, won the cup over the past, what? I just went back to 14. So, yeah. and, then, and then, then it was the Hawks. And God, it was, it was Hawks, Kings, Hawks. Boston? No, Kings. uh, 2011 was Boston. 11 was Boston, and then the Hawks. Boston is the only team out of all those cup winners Mm -hmm. to actually maintain being a contender. 
consistent. I think Washington has been a contender for for since they, 2010 up until they have up until recently. It's just I, you know, but I'm also talking like since they won the cup. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at yeah. it from that lens. Like, and has Washington been a contender throughout this entire time? Yes, you're 100 mm-hmm. percent right. But since they won the cup, they haven't won a round. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, and can I just give a fun fact? The sure. last time a team won three in a row cups. Do you want to guess? Do you want to guess? Yeah, it was the Islanders when they won four in the eighties. Yeah, and because then the because Edmonton the won two and then lost one, right? Or they yeah. missed it or something. Um, yeah, the Habs, yeah, they won, yeah, lots of teams won two in a row, like Oilers won two and then lost and then won two again. Yeah. Penguins won two and then lost, uh, Red Wings won two and then lost and then won two again. And then yeah, lots, lots of stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it was it's Islanders. really hard to three-peat. It's really, yep. really hard. It's to hard. Have that, especially and, in the cap era. And, and when it comes to the dynasty talk, like, mm-hmm. and I said this on a different podcast, like right now, over the past decade of hockey, going all the way back to 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. um, or basically the, the, the Hawks' first cup. Or actually, let's go back to when Pittsburgh got their first cup in 09. It's only extending right, an extra Crosby. year. Yeah. yeah. We go back there. There are four teams that have won multiple cups. Uh, Chicago. Tampa, Chicago in, in, or, in order of like okay. most to least, it's going to go Chicago, Pittsburgh, us, Los Angeles. And right now it's it's – Chicago and Pittsburgh, who have three, um, but they're broken up. With Pittsburgh, kind of, I I feel like Pittsburgh has the edge on Chicago because Pittsburgh actually won a back to back where Chicago never did back to back at all. Um, Chicago should be lauded for winning their three and six; they absolutely should. Um, but I feel like Pittsburgh's first time ever in a Stanley Cup era winning back to back needs to hold more importance, um, not by much, but if Tampa is able to pull off a three beat, they automatically fall ahead of all of them. They're automatically it's, it would be so special automatically yeah oh. but yeah I man okay I okay happens. okay <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we extended that by an extra like 10 minutes i think but regardless <laughs> uh thank you all for listening um we'll be back in the next in the next few weeks with another episode after the season gets started and uh i'm happy to be back i i miss doing this it's just life was a pain in the ass <laughs> but i thank you guys and um uh, we hope to we hope to uh, hear from you soon. <laughs>